This program is made possible by the friends and partners of Curator Ministries. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the table. I'm here today uh, with my husband, Doug, and two very special guests, the two youngest installments to the Reynolds clan. We have our 14-year-old Justice and our 10-year-old Claire. Hello, guys. Hello. Hello. I'm so glad that you're here. The kids had a half day of school today because it's homecoming week, so they had an opportunity opportunity to be in the studio with mom and dad, and we're really excited that they're here. Uh, So today... Our topic today is going to be a little bit about how to get free of guilt, condemnation, and shame. Because if I've learned anything in my 40-plus years, we won't say how many, is that keeping a secret's easy, but living with a secret's often very hard. Wouldn't you agree, kids? Yeah. Yes. I would very much agree. Yes. So we're going to explore that a little bit today. And we're also going to explore how the guilt that we feel about seeing something bad happen to someone else can cause us to do the right thing. Uh, Claire Bear, you were sharing something happened like that yesterday at school with you. Um, so there was this new girl and... Um, someone bit her and... Oh my gosh. <laughs> bit her? Um, she like... I really didn't really... I wasn't in the situation but they kind of just dragged me into it and then i was like that's not right mm-hmm. so i um made the other girl apologize because i knew in my heart that wasn't gonna be that wasn't gonna end well yeah you didn't want her to feel bad and no. so you feeling guilty about something someone else did caused you to do the right thing mm-hmm. yeah so good so nonsense news for the day kids there was a uh, two teenage boys. First of all, have you ever pocket dialed anybody? Like Some, straight up just butt dialed somebody? Yeah, yeah, sometimes I have. Yeah, well, let me tell you about a pocket dial gone wrong. There was two boys that accidentally pocket dialed 911 emergency services. Whoops, right, Claire? Yes, so pocket dials 911, but unfortunately for them, they didn't know that 911 was going on in their pocket and listening because they're walking down the street and they are heard having a conversation with each other about this really nice car hey, do you think we can break into that car? And the other guy's like, yep. And so it also records them breaking into said car and driving said car away. And then you hear about three or four minutes later them saying, oh my gosh, we're getting pulled over. Were you speeding? (laughs) Like, no, idiot. You pocket dialed a Grand Theft Auto. So they get a lot of time in jail to think about, hey. (laughs) Maybe check your phone. Maybe check your phone. Maybe that's a good life lesson. The second one that I absolutely, Claire, you and I, girl, we can identify with this one. This was a failed robbery attempt at a nail salon. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. So you have this video, right, of this guy rolling up in this nail salon. I'm, well, let me say this. I'm assuming it's a man because we'll go into that later. I don't think a female would understand this is not the space. So this masked person comes walking into this nail salon, and he's and, and they say, Everybody stop and give me all of your money. No one in the nail salon even looks up, including the people who are doing the nails, right? So he's seen repeating himself. Again, no one looks up or breaks a stride. The phone rings. The nail tech takes a business call asking about business hours, completely unaffected by this person trying to rob her salon, right? A third attempt. I'm serious, guys. Stop what you're doing and give me all of your money. Again, no one pays attention. And he just 
tucks his tail and walks out the door. And so I have to say this. I feel like it was probably a male that did this. Other than Doug, who has had the opportunity to take your daughter to a nail salon, only a female knows what that scenario looks like. They know, A, the amount of time that it takes to wait to get into that nail tech's chair. Right, Claire? Yes. The amount of time, B, that it takes to get that service done and the sheer amount of money that it takes to have this luxury done for yourself. And let me tell you something, girls. That is probably, at least for me, one of the few things I do for myself to make myself look good or feel good about myself. Amen. So some fool rolled up in, <laughs> in the nail salons, like, stop what you're doing. I'm looking at my clock saying, I got to be at work in 30. No, take your tomfoolery somewhere else. And that's pretty much what happened to him. He was completely ignored. They were completely unbothered. Didn't even break stride. <laughs> he just kind of looked bewildered and just walked out the door. Isn't that bananas? Yeah. Tom Foolery Kids does not pay off. He should be ashamed of himself. Do you think? I would have been ashamed. I would have been ashamed of myself. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of shame, that's one of our topics today. We're going to talk a little bit today about um, guilt. We're going to talk about shame. We're going to talk about condemnation and the differences between the three. And we're also going to talk about how the weight of keeping a secret can physically affect you, right? So it can physically affect, it can make you sick, it can make you anxious, it can make you depressed, right? It can. It has these physical effects on you that sometimes if you don't even realize that that is the root cause of it, right? It was like feeling, this feeling of, I am a horrible person for doing that thing. And so God is having me mind this thing out because I'm realizing it's not about what it's about, and I don't even know what it's about yet, but God is definitely walking me through that process. And so basically what what, what I found myself is, and in my 20s, um, that I treated someone horribly. I was just, I was really, really made some bad choices. And, and, and I felt guilty about it, as I should, because guilt is kind of your moral compass, right? It lets you know that I've done something wrong, and it gives me the opportunity then, if ever, to be given that choice again to do something right. It's your moral compass, right? Um, it went from guilt to feeling shame, ashamed because other people knew that I did it, right? But then it slipped into condemnation. And so what condemnation look like in that space is I no longer could say, okay, Maria, you are a good person and you did a bad thing to the space where Maria, you're a deplorable person. You are a bad person. And this thing that you did is just evidence of how bad you really are. And I carried that for a vi- for years, and I'm and I'm just now trying to weed that out. Like, okay, no, I'm not a bad person, right? I was a good person that was dealing with the divorce of my parents, and I was a I was a good person, you know, dealing with you know moving away to college for the first time. I was a good person dealing with some really tough things, and I was dealing with with it in a bad way, in a very self destructive way. And so God is mining that out of me right now and showing me the difference. And I think that so many of us carry things like that that we're running from, things that we've done in our past that we run from because we're scared. We have a fear, like, what will it cost me if other people know that I did that thing? And it reminds me of, of Moses. And if you can remember the story of Moses' kids, he, um, he killed an Egyptian, and he knew what he was doing was wrong when he did it, and he immediately like, buried the body. 
right? He tried to hide the thing that he did um, because that's the first thing that we do with a secret is we bury it. We want to hide it. And so we know that we, we usually bury things that we know that are wrong or bury something that we know other people are going to give, cast a judgment onto us for, right? And so that's what happened to Moses. I don't know that he necessarily felt like what he did was wrong. I think he did the, something he felt was right, but he knew there would be a judgment that would, a consequence that would come from this action, so he buried it. And so what you find is whenever he realizes that his secret, this thing that he buried, has kind of come out, has come to light, he runs. Because they also we run from things from our past that we're embarrassed of, too. Or we run from things that we think we're going to get in trouble for. Like when I say, hey, kids, who made this mess? And they're like, oh, was it me? And I make the joke, oh, it must be our phantom fifth kid. Nobody wants to take credit for the mess they made, right? You run from things you think that you're going to have to pay a consequence for. And that's what Moses is doing in the story. And I think what's interesting, um, and this is the space and time that, that I'm in, where you, he spends 40 years, the next 40 years, running from this thing. And I don't think we've ever really given that. I mean, we, we, we fast forward real quick to the burning bush moment, right, where he's passed the baton and you're the guy, man, from God. But we don't think about what that 40 years felt like for him, always feeling like he was running from something, never fully trusting anyone, um, always felt a little bit paranoid, um, maybe a little embarrassed i don't i don't know but i i wonder what the feelings were like in that 40-year process until pharaoh passes away because in that space he was not wrong there was the judgment for what he did was 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 a penalty of death and pharaoh wanted judgment and pharaoh was actively trying to find him so he wasn't wrong in feeling those things right so pharaoh finally passes away and that i wonder if that felt almost like some pressure relieved, some pressure taken off, right? Like, oh, maybe maybe the thing that I did died with him, right? I don't have to think about it anymore because it died with him. And then we have this moment where he's on Mount Sinai. And at this point in his life, he's the man. He's the guy. God, he's the appointed person from God. He's the pastor. He's the bishop. He's all the things. He's the one that's going to be the go-between between God and his people and He's been given these Ten Commandments, and one of the Ten Commandments is, Thou shalt not kill. And I wonder, Sam, how that felt when he had blood on his hands. If he thought, man, here we are again. I thought I was past this. I buried that thing 40 years ago. The man that knew about it is dead and gone with me, with it, and here we are. And I wonder if if he felt, not guilt, because guilt is something internal that you feel at the time. That moral compass. And he did felt guilty because he hit it. I wonder if now he felt ashamed. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible doesn't even talk about how he processed what was happening. But I wonder, Justice, if he felt ashamed. What do you think? Personally, I think it was more shame. Because, yes, he did feel guilt earlier on when he did kill. And we, he was shamed by Pharaoh because Pharaoh you know, wanted justice. Any anything that happened within his head after the murder, if there's no one there right there to like shame him, then it's a guilt. Can I let me give a um example? Mm-hmm. So let's say even if you have a kid or not, let's just say you have a kid mm-hmm. and you take him to football practice and you leave him there. Let's say after football practice, he has to wait out in the sun for a couple minutes. You getting there and you feeling bad or shameful about, hey, he had to wait out in the hot sun for a couple minutes, that's guilt. 
where if the coach was there during whenever he was there and he said oh you shouldn't have left him oh shame and then that would well be shame so shame requires another person yes guilt is something you feel internally but shame is something someone else makes you feel yes that's interesting you can't feel shame without someone there to make you feel shameful make you feel shameful do you have something doug you want to add that's a really good uh, explanation, Justice. Yeah. Of course, you know you. He's never, speaking from experience. Mom I've was never late been last late week. To pick him up, so. <laughs> it's all right. Yeah, that is a really good explanation. That, that's a great explanation, Justice. Yeah. So shame is something that someone else makes you feel. Yes. That's interesting. So, do you think that people use shame as a tool to manipulate other people? One hundred percent. One hundred percent. I agree with that. I agree with that. I think that there, I can remember times where people would be like, oh, do you think that's what God would want? You know, they they would make you feel like um, the things that you were doing um, were wrong, not because they wanted you to correct a behavior, but they wanted you to conform your behavior to, to do what they wanted you to do. Does that make sense? And I'll be honest with you, kids, I have found myself, and, I, and something I've, I've had to really do some, some exploration on, I think at times I have parented with this tactic, like <laughs> stu- stupidly, right? Just um, I'm not sure that that thing that they did that they really feel guilty about, that they really understand the magnitude, so I'm going to be like create an extra layer of shame so they really get it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, yes, it does make sense. And adding on to the topic, in my opinion, having other people shame other people is a vi- is for, on the basis of blackmail and <laughs> and stuff. It's destructive. It's it's using something that you don't want to either other people know or you feel bad about to make you do something, to make you conform. Right, and it, it's 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 destructive because it, I think that that that's that that section of shame is where if. If if me making you make if me making you feel bad about something that you did, I'm running the risk of you not seeing that what I did was wrong. I'm running the risk of making you feel like I am wrong. Like there's something wrong with me. Does that make sense? And that 100%. really runs the risk into this gray area of condemnation. We're going to put a pin in it for right now, right here, and we're going to go to a commercial break. But when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit, bit, a little bit more about condemnation, and then we're going to talk about some keys to freedom to cut some people loose. Does that sound good, kids? All, All right, right. we'll great. be right back. We hope you are enjoying today's show. We believe that God has given us a voice to impact communities and regions all over the world. If you would like to make sure that voice is heard, please partner with us today by visiting www.expressionradio.org and click donate. You can also text give by texting the dollar amount followed by the word radio to the number 84321. First time text givers, please choose Expression Church of Huntington when prompted. All gifts are tax deductible. Join us as we change the world. Well, welcome back, everybody. We're back at the table talking with my uh, two youngest children and my husband about guilt, shame, and condemnation. And right before the commercial break, we actually started talking about how this this sense of shame can kind of be a slippery slope into this false idea about ourselves that can be very condemning and, and, and really be have us like tethered into condemnation so one thing that that kind of happened within our household that had me thinking a lot about this topic is i think first of all 
as parents, Doug, and I'm sure you would agree, we we have to really uh, weigh out how much of the things of our past do we share with our children, right? Because some of the things that we share from our past give us credibility. So it's kind of like when Moses was on Sinai and God said, Thou shalt not kill, and he knew he had blood on his hands. Well, him, the fact that he was able to move past that and be forgiven and still be an instrument of God is a testimony to somebody that he was going to lead that also had sin in their life. That, well, man, if he can do it, I can do it too, right? But you also have to kind of balance out, like, how much do I share where I don't diminish my capacity to lead, right? And that's a hard balance um, because I think that especially – especially in the church world, I think that we, rightfully so, realize that we are image bearers of God and that we are supposed to have an image that other people see that, that, that looks like Him. I think where we sometimes get it wrong is that we spend a lot of time polishing a veneer that's not real. And sometimes we do, a re- like for myself, for a long time, I will hide things that I know exist within myself because I'm afraid if other people see that thing, it will deben- diminish my capacity to lead them. And then I'll be honest, whenever they, when they have interchanges with people, I feel like a fraud. I feel like a fake. I feel like a liar. Because I'm like, I know that I'm carrying secrets and dark places in me that I know you have no idea about, that you have an impression of me that's one thing. But... I know that I am something completely different. And even as parents, that, that can that can carry over into our own household. I remember a story where Grant looked at me and was like, Mom, I think I'm gonna buy I'm think I'm gonna buy me a, a um a, a cop light for my truck. And I was like, What? And he was like, Yeah, I think I wanna do that so I can pull my friends over to screw with them. And I remember the look on his face when I said, You can't do that because your daddy's done it and didn't end well. And the look on his face was like, What? The man that delivers all of the rules did something like that. It was like so foreign to him that you possibly could have done something like that, Doug. <laughs> do you know what I mean? And so I at first I thought, Well, gosh, did I just diminish his daddy's diminish him in his daddy's eyes? Like, will his daddy have a hard time leading him now? Because he knows he's done this thing, right? And I think about a time that I've, I, I'm going to, this is probably the first time I've ever shared it publicly, where our sons found themselves in a situation where um, they were at a party where there was drinking. And um, I was waiting up for them. They had a curfew. They completely blew curfew. I knew they were at a party. I didn't know there was going to be the substances there. I didn't know that. Um curfew comes curfew goes they're almost two hours late and i'm waiting at the top of the stairs for these kids and they come to the top of the stairs i'm like where have you been and they're like well what happened was this they had taken a carload of friends with them and one of the friends had got to the party and drank and drank into excess and they misunderstood a rule that daddy and i have that there are no drinking in our home to mean that there is no one who has been drinking aloud in our home and so they felt Guilt because this boy was in this position that he couldn't go home. Didn't feel like he could go home because he would dad would kill him, right? And so they tried to drive him around. They tried to get him some food. All the things tried to get this boy in a condition where he could go home and not get murdered, and it, unsuccessful. And so they, in an attempt to do something right, they took him back to the party and like we'll just sleep, we'll sleep here. We'll come get you in the morning. And so they're confessing all this to me. And I was like, well, here's a problem, Uber. You left a passenger behind. You know what I mean? So, you know, in that moment, my mom mind wanted to be like, listen, 
you know, I can't believe you were at a party where this was happening. You know better. All the things. The cops could have been. I wanted to go through all the litany of things that could have went wrong that would have gotten them in some serious hot water, right? I could not get them out of. But in that moment, I realized my, my, my boys didn't want to keep this a secret from me. My boys wanted my help. And I was very thankful that they trusted me enough to talk to me about that and ask for my help. And so I gave them the guidance to go get the kid and bring him back. You misunderstood what daddy and I meant. If a kid needs help, I don't care what state they're in, you bring him here. Because I would want someone to do that for mine. Right, Doug? Yes. They go get the boy and they bring him back. And instead of parenting harshly, and we did have the follow-up conversation about how we should never get in this position again. But in that moment, in that night, the way I parented my boys was this, Sam. They went downstairs, they tucked their friend in, and they both come walking up the basement stairs. And I met him at the top of the stairs, not with a heaping coal of condemnation or a heaping coal of guilt. I handed them a bucket. And I said, you're going to deal with Mr. Pukey. It's not my responsibility. And that was the best learning lesson because the next morning, you know what they said, Sam? That was stupid. I'm never doing that again. It was <laughs> dealing with Mr. Pukey downstairs was better than anything I could have said in that moment to make them feel horrible or shame or all the things, right? So do you think, Doug, do you think condemnation at some points can be a little bit healthy or helpful? Absolutely. Really? Growing up, I can tell you that the one thing that would work on me is if I would, my dad could go tell me to do something at the farm, around the house or anything. Mm. I didn't pay attention. I'd go play video games, shoot baskets. Mm. But if I walked outside and he was doing something by himself, I would, I would feel guilty. See, that's different though. And I think you're right. Guilt will drive you. That's your moral compass. But condemnation is like saying, not saying, gosh, you know, my dad's doing that and I feel bad. I should go help him. Condemnation is I'm a bad son. And this is just this is just proof I'm a bad son because I didn't help my dad. Right, but I think he knew that if he didn't have if he told me one time, then went out and did, like he wouldn't yeah. keep trying to make me feel bad. You don't want me to have to go do this myself, do right. you son? That kind of thing. And I always think about Jesus. He used shame very tactically. It wasn't you know, he didn't try to beat people over the head. I think about whenever they had the stoning, the adulterer. Right, he wrote things mm-hmm. in the sand. And I think he probably was writing things like. Uh, drunkard, right? right? You might not be an adult, or you may be doing something else. So mm-hmm. people could think of it and then see it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it can be used um, very carefully. I agree that that guilt and shame, maybe. I don't agree with condemnation because I will be honest with you. That's where I'm seated in this in this in this stage of my life that's incredibly destructive. And I don't think condemnation is ever ever a healthy space to be in because it warps the way you see yourself. Right, I no longer see myself as a good person that did something bad or a good person that made a bad choice and not helping my dad. I'm a bad person that did something bad, and that bad thing I did is just proof that how bad I really am. And so I think that there is a very, and I don't think that sometimes we identify that, that there is a difference between shame, guilt, and condemnation. Condemnation is deep-rooted and hard, man, hard to rip out. Speaking of ripping out, I think I'd like to talk now a little bit about the some of the keys that God is showing me. And I, I listen, I'm trying to unlock myself. So this, I'm preaching to myself today, kids. Right. But some of the keys that God is showing me, one of the, the biggest ones, and this is something I trip over, Sam, is is the scripture that says, confess your sins one to another. Confess your sins to one to another. Now, the confessing my sins to God, I got unlocked. But confessing my sins one to another, in God I trust, in man, not so much. Right? Right. Because man is fallible, I have seen people take 
nuggets of, of things that people confessed and been taken to the gossip chain, you know, judged them, um, which is a whole other, you know, ball of wax. I mean, there's there's scripture in, in the Bible that talks about just that. Like, don't be a gossiper. Don't. And I think it's doing that because or it's warning us of that because this this act of confessing something. Right. So if I have this secret that I'm holding or this thing that I'm carrying and I'm keeping it to myself, it is literally like a toxic thing in my body. It's it can make you sick. It can make you depressed and make you anxious. It can make drive you to suicide. I mean, all of these horrible things can come from this very toxic thing that you're carrying, even if you're carrying it for the right reason. Right. And so there's something about suffering in silence that is not that's not kingdom. It's not that. God created us to 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 serve in a community of other believers because we are supposed to carry each other's burdens, pray for each other, and help help each other work things out. Clear, Jess, something you wanted to add? I'm sorry, you tapped on my shoulder. So you, I, I think just just holding this stuff in, like I said, is a, is a very it can become very 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 toxic. Do you agree? I do. You know, uh, Freud talked about the id and the ego Mm -hmm. and that the superego basically balanced those and kind of the superego or the ego is what you want to see yourself as right you want other people to see you as Mm. and there has to be a way to i don't want to say to reconcile those two things at all times well yeah and sometimes we hide things parts of ourselves skip over parts of ourselves because we don't we want people to have a certain image of us and if they knew that thing about us it would ruin that image Right, it would cost us something. It's like what, what, what releasing this cost me. But I actually think that, at least to me, and mm-hmm. I don't know, is that if you if they know the truth, it's actually better. They can oh, yes. different. Maybe maybe the lesson or the um, the witness would be to someone else. Maybe there's some people that wouldn't under, ever understand. But I think there's also somebody else that's going to appreciate that witness. Um, this is what happened then. Mm-hmm. I'm proud of it. Um, well, you, you were your would, testimony. Your testimony helps people. Yes. Yeah. And if you don't have that testimony, if someone says, gosh, um, whenever you have people come speak to addicts, mm-hmm. you know, if someone says, oh, well, I've never used drugs before, but here's what you should, shouldn't do. Here's the way I'm recommending you to, you know, beat your addiction. Mm-hmm. I think there's always a skepticism of, mm-hmm. of, hey, you know, you've never walked that aisle. You don't, you don't know what that's like. Therefore, I, I know you're meaning to do good, but you don't know. You mm-hmm. really don't, no matter how much knowledge, books, you know, clients you've had, where somebody says, you know, the most compelling story is usually somebody that had addiction and very bad, mm-hmm. right? And then what did they do to overcome it? You're going to believe that person, if you're if you're an addict, in my opinion, than somebody that's never had an issue. A thousand percent. I can only give you what I carry in my storehouse. If I don't have that experience, it would be dumb of me to say I can even understand it, let alone help you walk through it, Right. Right. I think there's also something about having discernment because there was something about the confessional component, right? Because the Bible does say, you know, in, in the book of Romans, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. The law of the Spirit gives life and sets and sets us free. And then, you know, over it also talks about, you know, you know, um, this this, this thing of sh- of shame, like to confess your sins and help you know, help your fellow, you know, believer kind of carry this thing and walk walk them through this i think there's something about having discernment about who you can trust to carry that right so i am not suggesting you blast your marital problems on facebook that's not the platform right someone's going to use that as their entertainment when you say doug i think it's important to to be able to identify someone that is trustworthy that you can trust to carry this not be judgmental of you not make you feel condemned or shameful but to will literally help you process pray and heal your way through that 
Would you agree? Oh, 100% agree. We, I think everybody at some point has got sent the Facebook post that somebody put out there. And yeah. it's usually not done to release their shame. It's usually to try to, or to inflict shame on somebody else. This right. person did me wrong. This coach didn't play my kid. That type of thing, right? You're, yeah. So I, you're right. That's not a, a good venue for it. Right. So this is, I think it's important that we find the, the identify those people that we can trust. And if someone comes to you, be that person that can be trustworthy. So it's the earlier in the show you know you have scripture that 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 warn against don't be a gossip you know don't do that thing or you know you know be the person that can be that can be trusted and is trustworthy um i just think over just uh, overall we just got to be better do you know what i mean we need to be better about serving in community with one another and letting people feel comfortable enough coming to us and confessing these things these things because some people man they're carrying some heavy heavy burdens and some heavy guilt and they are being crushed underneath the weight of this and i will just speak from my own experience i carried this thing for over 20 years and i remember just last this past week doug i confessed i'm like this thing is still in my life and i don't understand what the root of it is you know um i just i feel horrible and i remember you look at me and saying babe you are not the same person that did that literally and physically, you are not the same person. You got to let that go. Yeah, I did, and I gave you the example of um, you know, your whole body changes. You know, your cell, your literally physical cells are different. The way your how you react to things is different. Mm-hmm. Um, I can say that you know I used to have much more, even with the kids. The older two, two will criticize me and try to make me feel shameful that I'm much more patient with you two than I was them at the same age. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just just naturally as you get older, you know, you don't have as much testosterone, so your ability <laughs> to control your anger is a lot better, or yeah. it's a lot you, it's a lot easier than whenever you're younger. And so I, I said, you know, you're not the same person that you were 20 years ago. Hopefully, you're better. Yeah. Um, but but we all try to be better. Yeah. I think the takeaway for me today is just, you know, these things that I have that are skeletons of my closets or secrets that I'm keeping or whatever that looks like for me or for you. I'm just I'm not going to run from it anymore. I'm not going to keep hiding from it. I'm going to release it to someone that I trust, release it to God um, and let the Holy Spirit just minister to me. And then I'm going to allow myself to give myself the freedom I think that's part of it. Give myself the freedom to be free from it. That I need to realize that I can be free from something. I don't have to carry the guilt and shame of it to be sorry for it. And you know, there there is a difference. Right? What do you guys think? Agree? I agree. Well, thank you, Team Reynolds. I appreciate you guys for being here. And thank you, Doug, as always. And I will see you next week at the table, guys. We hope you are enjoying today's show. We believe that God has given us a voice to impact communities and regions all over the world. If you would like to make sure that voice is heard, please partner with us today by visiting www.expressionradio.org and click donate. You can also text give by texting the dollar amount followed by the word radio to the number 84321. First time text givers, please choose Expression Church of Huntington when prompted. All gifts are tax deductible. Join us as we change the world.